On this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show, we're talking raised fees at Crater Lake National Park for motorcyclists, rat bikes are coming to Seattle, and we're going to look back to 2010 and look ahead to 2030. All that and so much more. Stick around. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Seattle Cycle Center. As more and more shops discontinue sales of apparel and aftermarket gear, Seattle Cycle Center continues to provide a wide selection of everything you need for your next ride. Family-owned and operated for more than 30 years, Seattle Cycle Center is your destination for helmets, jackets, pants, boots, gloves, rain gear, and much more. Visit their store on Aurora Avenue soon. This is Jose Mateu with Skagit Power Sports. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. Now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world this is the Sound Rider Show, the first show of 2020. Across from me here, publisher, founder of Sound Rider, Baby New Year himself, Tom Marin. And I, of course, am Derek Roberts, co-host of this show, self-appointed editor at large, and looking forward to the new year. Tom, tell me, what's going on in 2020? It's a new year. It is. It's not only a new year, it's a new decade. Man, it's hard to believe it's 2020, isn't it? You know, motorcyclists have been waiting for years to get to the roaring 20s. That's right. Of the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. And now we have arrived. Here we are. Hey, I want to run something by you real quick before we jump into this. Well, when I there's was... one more uh, uh, milestone. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. This is the beginning of our sixth year doing the show. It's crazy, isn't it? And every month, we haven't missed a month. We've had everything up. Uh, you've had everything up by the first of the month um, or earlier consistently yeah. into our sixth year here. Wow. Yeah. How'd I do that? I don't know. <laughs> that is the uh, Christmas miracle as we transition <laughs> holidays here, right? So I was uh, driving up here before we got into studio just a couple of minutes ago, and I saw a bumper sticker that I thought was kind of funny. And I want to know if you think that this applies to Seattle or the Northwest, or if you think that maybe this would be a good tagline for the, the Sound Rider show, Okay. Yeah, since somebody already made a bumper sticker, maybe i just buy a few extras. There you go, yeah. What is it? So it said, um, too dumb for New York and too ugly for L.A. Well, that's not going to be for sound. Right? No, I don't think that's good. Well, I was talking about, yeah. You could put that on your bike, though. But you what want. did you think? Was that a, uh, a reference to the uh, Pacific Northwest, or was that just a, uh, a quip on the back of a um I think SUV? that's like an anything goes... As long as you're not trying to sell that bumper sticker in L.A. or New York. I gotcha. Okay. Right? Couldn't yeah. you use that anywhere? Uh, yeah, It's sort of a so. universal bumper sticker. Well, that's what I thought, too, but it uh, caught my attention on the drive up here, so I thought I'd run it by you and see what you thought. Huh. But as we launch into uh, the roaring 2020s here, maybe we should take a quick back at, look back at 2019. Let's do that. So, uh, I don't know, what was, uh, what was the big things that happened in 2019? Well, we had some uh, changes in, in Washington in particular, as, uh, a couple of changes in laws. So, insurance became required here now, mm. finally, right? So that That's was, right. That was kind of a big thing. And then as we look forward here to 2020, now there's changing to 
the licensing requirements as well. So those are a couple of big law changes, I would say, that affected the the Washington community. Are anyway. you hearing any uh, feedback when you're out in the stores? Are people saying they're affected by the insurance? Uh, I have heard some feedback, yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, I think everybody understands sort of globally the effort, but I know a lot of dealers are kind of frustrated that, A, this was – all of these laws are kind of being moved forward without – consulting the community it feels like particularly the dealerships that's what they think yeah but, uh, you know if they want to participate in the in the groups and the meetings they can well that's an interesting point and i you know some of those meetings though they have been scheduled they've been canceled there's been two or three meetings in a row that um haven't been attended as well so that is something that i think maybe the state and the community at large could work a little bit better on but uh i have heard a few dealers mention as well that the new insurance requirements has Stopped a few stale, uh, sales for particularly, you know, higher powered sport bikes and younger riders. Ah, I can so, see that. Yeah, so that's something um, to keep an eye on there. And then uh, we'll see with the new training and licensing requirements. Obviously, that goes into effect this month here in January. So we'll see how that plays out in the summertime. Yeah, that's going to uh, that's definitely going to have a similar effect where someone's going to say, "What? I have to go get training before I can ride this away from your shop?" Right. Or you can have it somebody deliver it for you if you want. Yeah, for a little it's edit. It's illegal for you to ride the bike. Extra cost there, right? <laughs> it's always been illegal for people to ride the bike without an endorsement. Yep. But now with the type of training that's required before you could even get a permit. Absolutely, yeah. So, so a little few more efforts there. Um, so I don't think that we'll see um, the number of riders increase this year. Okay. <laughs> Based yeah, on those two things. Well, you know, it'll actually, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because on the one hand, I mean, now there has to be the rider count previously. There were a lot of unregistered motorcycle riders anyway, right? About 33%. Yeah. So yeah. how does that affect the official statistics when we put oh, this into play? Oh, so you play? think that we might see the numbers increase just because people are coming forward well, and getting endorsed? It's, it's, I mean, it's a possible theory, right? That's plausible. Right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that and see how that shakes out. And I just want to mention right now so people know what's coming up in the show. Derek and I are talking about 2019 right now and look back. But we're going to, uh, in the interview section, part four of the show, we're going to be talking about the last decade, right? and then we're going to be coming up with our own visionary wisdom for what may be on the horizon in this new decade. And changes are coming, certainly, but we'll dive into that a little bit later. What stood out to you for 2019? Anything here regionally? Two things in no. particular. Um, regionally, the uh, closure of all the Noble Rush stores. Sure. That yeah. was a huge deal. And uh, now that I see that the Ride West building is for sale. Yep. So if you want to buy it, go for it. Yes, yeah. There's also a little uh, repair shop right down the street from it that's also the building there is for sale. It's an auto repair shop. So, mm, interesting. Uh, that's almost like a sign of the times, you know, when you see auto repair shop up for sale, you see an old motorcycle shop up for sale. Interesting. Things are changing. That's certainly true, especially for motorized vehicles, you know, as they become – more reliable as financing becomes more prevalent and the turnover i think probably for average ownership is a little bit shorter than it used to be and in seattle where we have all this gentrification i would imagine that these two properties that i just mentioned are, are is possible they're going to be turned into 
multifamily structures. Yes. Maybe with business on the bottom, but I, I don't think we're going to see a motorcycle shop come back. Yeah, you know, it's tricky, too. I mean, particularly in uh, some of those locations. I would anticipate that uh, the old Henshaws down in Auburn, probably something will go in motorsports related. But the old Ride West building, that neighborhood's changed drastically. And yeah. just to get in and out of there has been more of a challenge in the last five years than it was the 10 years previous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other big thing for me in 2019 was T-Boney and a dog in Idaho. Oh, yeah. That kind of changed my motorcycle world for, a long, uh, you know, many, many months. Certainly. Uh, still months ahead, yep. even. Um, I just finished my last physical therapy on my shoulder. You know, I had my whole upper body replaced, right? Yeah, bionic. I mean, everything, both both shoulders, both arms, my brain, my head. It Cyborg. was all replaced. Yeah, it's that's a, right. I'm just getting used to it all now. And Your brain's finally on Windows 10. You came off of Windows yeah. 7, right? Yeah. yeah, and I got the latest service packs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's where that recovery's at. And into the new year, I'll, uh, I still haven't gotten on a motorcycle yet. And uh, and I won't for a while. And uh, the next step for me, I just kind of make this up as I go, but uh, it'll be the pedal bicycle. I'll be getting out on a bicycle and seeing how that feels. And then getting out on my electric bike. Yep. And then getting a couple of the bikes set up down in the garage and take one out and start riding around. And yep. Keep used to it again. Keep See, building up the balance and the weight, right? Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't want to push that shoulder. And uh, I got about a 96% lift on that shoulder now so um i'll wait until i get to about 100 which is you know that that's uh i hope that's an inspiration for some people it turns out that when i had this accident um i had pretty much full mobility of both those shoulders mm -hmm. and a lot of people my age 60 don't have it All right and they've been through frozen shoulders, and they've been through all kinds of odds and ends, and and I'm I'm I, I've been working hard at it, but I got to say I'm also a bit lucky that I'm going to return hopefully back to 100. percent But even though I don't get there, if I get to 97 or 98, that's pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. So if if uh, if anyone ever has a incident where physical therapy is required, do it. Because it pays off, and you got to do it. In my case, I had to do it every day. I'm still doing it every day until I get to a point where I don't feel uh, any sort of a pain sensation up there. And hopefully at that point, I'll be back at 100%. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's uh, physical therapy or not. Don't wait for an injury to, um, you know, start doing some exercising. Because if you're in decent shape and you're a little bit older, um, an accident like this, the recovery process can be much smoother yeah, and your potential recovery can be much greater if you are in shape. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Take good care of yourself now. So just in case, maybe that's a nice transition into some of our New Year's resolutions, right? Fitness is a popular one, but let's talk about maybe some motorcycle resolutions. Okay. Yeah. You well, go. You want me to kick things off here? Sure. So I have a couple. The early one here in the off season is I have been doing a lot of part shopping for. The DR350. And so I got a couple of things coming in, and I'm going to uh, just do a few upgrades, I think. I'm looking at a couple of things to make that a little more comfortable, a little bit of a better performer. Um, 
maybe thinking about some heated grips, some new hand guards, maybe a custom seat and that kind of thing. You just figure so. out how to put an SV650 motor in there? I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need it. I got everything I need under wheeled there. But uh, that's one of my off-season New Year's resolutions here is to start building up the bike a little bit, go through it with a fine-tooth comb, and make sure that it's ready for an active 2020. Well, for me, uh, having been off a bike since July um, – my resolution, I guess, is going to be to take my 250, since mm-hmm. I don't have the 650 dual sport anymore. Um, I'll, eventually, I, I, I may do a stupid thing and buy another one. but It's uh, the right thing to do. <laughs> but uh, for now, I do have the 250, and it hasn't really been ridden very much over the last three years. So you know what that means. It could be creaky gaskets. It could be... You know, got to make sure all the fluids are there. Sure. Got to make sure the battery's up to snuff. And so uh, I got a little bit of work ahead of me there. And then what I'll need to do is when I first start to ride it, 10-mile ride, 25-mile ride, yep. 50-mile ride. Have you followed me in a van? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just in case, yeah. Just in case because uh, that bike is 30-plus years old. And it uh, it's susceptible to failure at this point, even though it's a Honda. Yeah. Which, you know, they never fail. But Definitely. Well, just the fact that it's been sitting, you know, it would be one thing if you were riding it on a regular basis for the, for the last two years. But the fact it's been sitting in that cold garage and mm-hmm. experiencing those weather changes, uh, yeah, it's probably good to kind of inch ahead. I think I need to push about a gallon of fuel through that carburetor and get it totally cleaned out. That was an issue I was having on the 650 during the trip when I crashed was uh, there was a lot of garbage in that float bowl. And I had uh, – the the day before the crash, I actually ran ran fuel through that float bowl about six or seven times before I finally got it coming out clear. Sure. So there was a lot of – junk in there now locally here to sort of hyper locally does that uh gas station over in ballard are they still doing ethanol free over on the corner there uh as you get towards the marina you know, somebody the, should because yeah. uh that's always a lot a good place to find ethanol free fuel is near water yep because boats require it so uh you go hot tip early in the uh in the show yeah i, I don't know uh, i don't know if they're doing it or not but 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 it, but it's around. Yeah, it's around. Well, I have uh, another uh, New Year's resolution here, and recently in 2019, I uh, made friends with uh, some of the gang over at Eagle Rider here in Seattle, South mm-hmm. Seattle. Of course, Eagle Rider rents motorcycles, and you know what I learned? Hmm. It's actually not too bad to rent a motorcycle for a day. So a New Year's resolution for me is to try to get on some different motorcycles via rental because there's a lot of good stuff to try out there. They've got some of the uh, Royal Enfield Twins. They've got some nice little sport bikes. They've got some big touring bikes. And oh. why not expand your horizon anywhere from 50 to 150 bucks a day? But in the summertime, you get some long days here in the Northwest. So I'm going to take advantage of that, I think. So did it charge mileage on top of it? Uh, I think it's a flat rate. So if you want to go around Mount Rainier in a day, you could do it. Yeah, huh? absolutely. Nice. Yeah, so nice. you could switch it up, maybe try out a nice uh, naked bike for a little tour like that. Or, um, like I said earlier, the uh, one of the twins, the uh, new twins from Royal Enfield, which would probably be a Should fun Should I follow bike. you in a van for that one? Might not be a bad idea. <laughs> Or maybe uh, maybe I should uh, follow you on that rented bike, right? That way, if uh, 
your bike breaks down, we can just call and say that it's mine, and they can come and pick us both up. Yeah, and they don't charge you if you tow me out, right? I, I, they, 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 they'll never know you had a yeah. tow line on a Royal Enfield yeah, pulling right. a Honda NX250. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope that they uh, they don't listen to the show here, but uh, but that's definitely on my list. You got anything else for twenty uh, twenty? Um, well, I got a couple New Year's resolutions that aren't necessarily bike specific, okay? But um, but it kind of goes with riding, you know, because uh, you want to feel good when you're riding. So yeah. um, I've been working on this already through twenty nineteen, uh, reducing my intake of sugar sure. and reducing my intake of vegetable oil mm-hmm. and canola oil and all these horrible oils that you shouldn't really put in your body but when you eat fried food out at a restaurant chances are a 99% chance it was cooked in vegetable oil i would imagine so yeah and just the fact that most of that stuff is in anything that's packaged or processed right you know so if mm-hmm. you're buying something in a bag or a box you'll probably see some reference certainly to sugar but even soybean oil isolate oh, and all that kind of stuff so yeah so that's a good uh terrible for you good little health tip there because hey the healthier you are the more you can ride the better you feel yeah and the better you'll ride and you're, you're, you won't have the ailments and you'll have you know less less chance of various types of heart disease and yep. all kinds of stuff you know so uh sugar is like just a major culprit for for getting your body inflamed and then opening you up to a world of diseases you don't need to get. That's right. So, so on that note, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little <laughs> bit because I know you uh, obviously are a food and a restaurant guy here. Are there maybe one or two restaurants out there that are good riding destinations from some of the major metros here in the Northwest that offer up you know, an organic menu and some good sites along the way that are, are nice for a day ride, like on a Sunday in the, yeah. in the middle of summer. Yeah, um, I would highly recommend you go to 3rd Street Cafe. So let's say you're going from the South Sound or the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I mean, from anywhere. Uh, go to 3rd Street Cafe, which is up in Mount Vernon. Okay. And there's so many great roads all around Mount Vernon. You could go up the back way on Highway 9. That's the good part of Highway yeah, 9. Absolutely. That's not the straight part. That's the good part up there. Um, there's all the great roads out by the Skagit Valley there and uh, Chuckanut Drive. Sure. So uh, and, and wonderful food, really well made, mostly organic, not all. But you can't expect a restaurant to be 100% organic because sometimes they can't access – the organic products. Right. Just pick appropriately, right? Menu but selection. They're, uh, they're trying as they go, you know, and, and, and it's a good bet you're going to get a really good, healthy meal when you get there. And a good, healthy ride, too, right? Because that's, uh, that's right down by the courthouse there. Not too it far is. From you're there, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's a great suggestion. You got anything maybe down in Oregon? Any places that you like to, uh, to hit up when you go down there on touring or. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the, there's a place called the Blue Heron Cafe. It's out on the coast in Tillamook. Oh, nice. So if you wanted to stay inland and then ride out to the coast that day, you could go to the Blue Heron and have lunch there. Um, and then there's, you know, the, there's an air museum in that area. Mm-hmm. There's a Tillamook Museum and just tons of great roads back and forth. So oh, a favorite thing of mine is to stay over in Forest Grove at the McMinimums. And enjoy the hot pools there and and then head out to the coast for the day. That's great. Or if you want to extend it into a trip, uh, if you're a dual sport guy, uh, Sasquatch ran down the Oregon coast a couple of years ago, right? So you could pick up that self-guided tour. You could kick it all off at the Blue Herring Cafe. That's right. In fact, I think uh, 
lunchtime on day one was out in the Tillamook area. There you go. So. It's all coming together, right? Yeah. Yeah. And those those books are available. Those tour books are available. That's right. Store.soundwriter.com. So that really goes into, the, I think, the the ultimate 2020 resolution for all of us, which is just to ride more. You know, uh-huh. everybody says it every year, um, but always try to make it a priority. Because, or ride something new. Yeah. Because it's, you know, you never regret it. Because if you go to the same old event year after year after year, what 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 can you say at the end of your riding career? That's right. We don't go to the same event uh, year after year, but listen to the same podcast year after year because once you found the one, you yeah, found because it. it's it's just it's not the same month after month. <laughs> yeah, that's after right. Month. All right, let's take a little break. When we come back, uh, we got a list of news bites to go through. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Clem's Enumclaw Power Sports, your South Sound destination for your favorite brands like Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Can Am, and Kimco. And Clem's goes beyond motorcycles to satisfy all your outdoor passions with a full line of UTVs, ATVs, snowmobiles, personal watercraft, and cargo trailers. Have you got a dirt bike you want to convert to a snow bike? Visit Clem's today and discover all the possibilities. Hi. Al Brooks here uh, from Surrey, BC. Um, lovely day here in British Columbia. Not to tell all the people that live elsewhere about that, but uh, one of my favorite riding places is Central Oregon, John Day area. I go there usually once a year, twice a year, and ride all around the roads there. Lots of curvy roads for uh, road road guys, and lots of gravel roads for adventure touring guys. And beautiful scenery. Hi, this is Chris Page from the Oregon Motorcycle Road Racing Association, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Crow's Nest Studio here on the New Year edition of the Sound Rider Show. And of course, at this juncture, it means news bites. And we're going to start off with one that is, it's kind of a big deal here in the Pacific Northwest, I would say. Yeah. So Puget Sound Safety, uh, back in the 2000s, opened up a off-road training school called PSSOR. Right. And uh, then they put up a post in the middle of December and said, everything's for sale, and we're getting out of the off-road training business. So all the bikes are up for sale. Yep. The instructors are – oh, no. They're They're for hire, though, I'm sure, some of them anyway. Well, I thought that was kind of interesting, and obviously that's sort of an indicator of where the market's at. We don't have enough new people coming into off-road training where – both uh, a PSSOR and a Dirt First can survive here in the Pacific Northwest. So uh, financially, I guess it was time to go. Yeah, well, we'll see how the trends. You know, it's like anything else. I think this is probably a business that when you run it for, you know, X amount of years, you probably run into new opportunities. You probably see ways to to make a living that are a little bit more viable. And you kind of have to take those. But we still have a lot of great providers here in the Pacific Northwest. You mentioned yeah. Dirt First. And, I think, uh, you know, the PSSOR dynamics changed a lot from the day that they began and and the way that the business was run. And then uh, things got a little bit fragmented. They had to change locations. Sure. And 
it wasn't what it was when it first started. But uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, so dirt first, Whitney and uh, Jason. Jason, yep. Um, that's a viable option. Absolutely, yeah. And they're good good instructors, and they've come down to the rally in the gorge before, and they they teach up at the rally in Leavenworth. And so uh, that's, a, that's a good option now. If you live in the South Sound, you have to travel a little farther, but not a big deal. You get some good yeah. training and maybe stay overnight up there. That's it. Make a weekend of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see where that all goes, and who knows? Maybe there will be a new somebody come on the scene in the, in the next year or so. Who yeah, knows? that's right. Well, there's always going to be a change is the one constant, right, particularly in the motorcycle business. There's mm-hmm. going to be something that happens there. So keep an eye out for it, though, and make sure to, uh, you know, another good New Year's resolution just for everybody to visit your training provider because a lot of these guys are pillars of the community. And um, it's like anything else. You know, we talked a lot about that with some of the dealership closers here. Patronage pays for the entire community, so if you can help, well, it never hurts to get guys. some training, even if exactly. you think you've had all the training. Yeah, you know, and I know we've said this before on this show, and it's not in our agenda here today. But you know, one of the things you could do as a New Year's resolution is to learn how to ride something you didn't know how to ride before. Maybe you won't ever really ride it much, but you know, take a sidecar safety class. Yeah, take a take a dirt bike class. And maybe you'll find out, hey, well, yeah, this is actually something I'd like to do. Yeah, or how about a track day, too? That'd be another good option. Do a track day, yep. yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, next news bite. Uh, we are on the hunt for rat bikes. Uh, we alluded to this on the show last month, and it's all coming together. We are going to have a Year of the Rat bike show. Nice. And it'll be down at the Backfire Moto location uh, down on Aurora, where the old Moto International used to be. This is going to be held down in Georgetown, where they do their Backfire Moto night. This is at their facility at 7701 Aurora. And uh, we are going to put together at least 20, but we could take more. We've already got some lined up. If you got a rat bike and you want to share it with others, we're going to have a little competition. There's going to be some money involved. There's going to be some nice coupons involved. Um, and uh, actually, everybody who, who puts a bike in the show gets some coupons. Which is nice. So uh, that's all happening on February 1st, Saturday, February 1st. Uh, it'll be during the time of Tet, which is the Chinese New Year period. And imagine that. It's the year of the rat. Fantastic. The yeah. New year. Great way to bring it around. Yeah. And if you haven't been to the facility yet there, the Backfire Moto Bar, they did a really nice job building that out. It's pretty cool in there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still a work in progress, but sure. it's getting there. Um, you can access our article online at soundwriter.com, and that will give you the link of where you're going to send your information about your bike, and we would we would like to get one or two photographs as well. And uh, shortly here, we'll start launching up some images of some of the bikes that are going to be in the show. And get this, it's free. Nice. It's going to be free to go. Come hang out. There's no charge for parking. You'll have to find a parking space. But there will be no charge for parking. Uh, You can come in and enjoy the bikes and hang out with other riders. And it's just a way to have a little fun during the winter. Yeah, and well, hopefully we'll have one of these nice dry and chilly uh, Saturdays that we've been so blessed with so far on and off throughout the yeah, winter so you can ride your motorcycle. Feed, huh? Oh, now we're talking. Is there a Chinese chili? 
Uh, we'll make one up. Yeah, I think you could do it, right? <laughs> or oh, oh, make it with soybeans, right? Yes, ah. soybeans. Yeah, <laughs> a little shot of uh, sriracha. Yeah, sriracha, soybean yeah. chili. Yeah, with some chicken on the next Sound Rider show. Hey, let mm. me ask you this: how, Sesame. how would you define if someone were because you can you can pick it out, but how would you define a rat bike? I think that it's a very open. Interpretation. Interpretation. Right? Yeah. yeah. You could you could have spent a lot of money, but it looks really ratty or or uh it's really ratty. Right. Uh one one year we had a guy, he brought in a bike, he, he said it was a rat bike and it was it was a rusted carcass. So well, we we put it in the show. Yeah. You know, because it had potential, let's just say. So that it needs uh, some unique appeal, right? I think that's the uh, that's the main thing. There. And I think it's just uh, – to me, a rat bike is sort of like a personality of someone's brain and, and you know how confused they really are when you look at the bike and – no, I'm just kidding. No, that that affects uh, many motorcyclists, though. We don't want to get too deep into the psychology there, right? But if you look at the motorcycle that's on the front of the article on Soundrider, that's a, a sport bike that I came across in on Vancouver Island. Right. And uh, that thing was a daily rider for that woman. In fact, she had, had toured all the way across Canada uh, from, like, Ontario. Wow. And then taking the ferry down onto Vancouver Island, and she was going to go and cruise around, get back into Vancouver, and and head back home. But uh, you know that thing was de- that that thing was definitely a description of what was going on upstairs. I think. Well, if you haven't seen that bike, uh, Soundrider dot com, you can see it. It's the lead image on there in the lead article, and uh, yeah, that is a uh, that's a. That's an interesting thought to compare someone's physical manifestation on their motorcycle of their psychological profile there. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you, maybe we should have a picture of each of the riders and then you have to connect the, the <laughs> photo of the guy with game. the bike yeah, and whatever. Right? Yeah. That's that'd be fun. Yeah, maybe you should include uh, as we have sirens in the background, I was just about to say, maybe we should include a criminal background too. We can match that to the bike. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, next uh, point, the one show in Portland, which is the, the the custom bike show that's held every January. Yeah, no, that's a February thing. February, isn't it? yeah. Uh, down in Portland is uh, moving to a larger venue. What's it called? The the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. I was going to say it's one of the stadiums down there. It's uh, I think it's official. Last year. Um Indian stepped up, I think, with a big yeah. They're going to be back in with Indian. a big sponsorship, and now the one show has officially arrived. I would say it's no longer just sort of your Portland hipster central, but it's on the map as one of those major events, um, you know, throughout the country. I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the comments on the post that we put up about it was that, oh, finally they'll have some parking. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, you know, I know the, the show used to be held down in the industrial area. I think it was in southeast in uh, in uh, Portland. And, uh, well, you know, yeah, parking had to – you had to drive a few blocks yep. to find a spot. Um, so now what's going to happen is I believe you're going to have to pay for parking, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Would you rather walk or pay for parking? It depends on the weather. I'd rather walk. You know what I'd really rather do? would be to ride my Kawasaki three-wheeler right up to the door. Kawasaki three-wheeler, get into it. Yeah. (laughs) 
But now they're talking, right? Kawasaki is. I think that's our next item on the list here, that they may be bringing a three-wheeler to market. They have filed a patent. Yeah. Which, so. it, you know, it's always funny to see these little patent uh, articles pop up, mm-hmm. and you see all the uh, all the shifting here. Now, I haven't seen this yet, but I'm going to take a stab and say that this looks a little bit like the Nike. Am I correct? Well, that's, yeah, that's okay. what's going on. It's, it's kind of like... They're getting outside in their own little world and coming up with their version of a tilting three-wheel bike. And it it is similar to the Nikon. I I wonder, does it have a folding screen? Oh, no, that would be if it was a mobile phone. (laughs) Well, I thought thought you were talking about the windshield, right, where it's got the adjustable because a lot of those do have the – Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know. Um, what's, what's the deal with this three-wheel thing? This is, all sounds so experimental. I've never seen this really, like, pop. Other than, like, a Can-Am Spider, I haven't seen a mass market for these machines. I, I, I honestly, I have no idea. You know, I, when we were talking about 2019 in a review, one of the things that when we didn't touch on it here, but I was thinking, you know what? 2019 into some of these 2020 models, they actually, the motorcycle industry, I thought, did a pretty good job. They brought out some nice concepts, good-looking bikes, some things that were practical and usable, um, which was nice to see. And then you come and you see this Kawasaki three-wheeler, and I just kind of go like, eh, like, can we see a patent for a new 600cc KLR 650? Yeah, that's what we're looking for. You know, yeah, but that's... This is <laughs> we're dumping all the research and development into a three-wheel motorcycle that doesn't really have a mass market appeal. Right. In fact, I still have yet to see a Nikon on the street or on a showroom floor. But they were sold, right? Yeah. Well, you're definitely right about on the street, although I feel like I saw one online at one of the dealerships here in the Northwest in the greater Washington area, but I can't remember yet. But this is just recently, so you're, I mean, it has been, you know, they hung out there for, what, a year and a half? Yeah. Something like that. Two years now. Yeah. They're already into their second, like, model redo. It's crazy. But, hey, at least maybe, uh, leading into some 2020 talk on models, maybe we'll finally get that uh, Tenere 700 here, and maybe it'll be on the demo trucks as they start to make the rounds early into the uh, season. So, yeah, the word on the Tenere is – and it's all a rumor because that's, that's all you get on this show is all hearsay <laughs> and speculation. And <laughs> they say it's going to be around in uh, possibly July. Yeah. So um, – but I, I, I did put this bullet point on here, which is that there's lots of 2020 models on the floor at the dealers now. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, particularly in the Puget Sound area, uh, don't like the fact that we don't have a motorcycle show here anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you do when you went to the motorcycle show? You went and you looked at bikes. Yep. You paid for parking and you paid to get in. Now what you could do is go out to a dealer or make a, make a Saturday trip out of it and go to three dealers. I and agree. Look at, look at new models, get free parking, free admission. And take your time, and you don't have everybody trying to sit on the new bike right. and all that stuff. That's all totally accessible for people. Uh, you want to take a little internet group out with you, just get up on your group and post up and say, who wants to meet at such and such a place for breakfast? And then we're going to go look at 2020 models. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And you mentioned uh, free parking, free admission. And oftentimes, if you do it on a Saturday, free popcorn and free hot dogs. That's right. Right? So you yeah. get the whole nine yards there. So. Uh, I think it's a good idea, though, and another way to get out and not just check out 
the new bikes, but also maybe look at some new clearance items for gear, right? Maybe there's pick a lot up of clearance stuff helmet. out there. There is, yeah. yeah. A nice high-end jacket, and uh, all those deals are out there to be had, too. And uh, You want to buy a mesh jacket cheap, go buy one now. Oh, man, yeah. Have it ready for next year, because they're out there. And I'll tell you what, mesh jackets, five years ago, they were all pretty much, in my opinion anyway, universally hideous. But now they've actually made them quite attractive to where oftentimes you can't mm-hmm. even tell from uh, for 10 yards that they are mesh jackets. Yeah. They look like a regular jacket. Yeah, and there's so. some nice ones. You know, Alpenstars has made yeah. some over the recent years and nice quality stuff. Absolutely. Um, as I'm going through the my our news feed today and notice that the Dakar is coming up on February 5th. It's yeah. going to be 12 stages this year through Saudi Arabia. Interesting, huh? So I guess we need to find out – we need to come up with an article here in the next couple of days about how people can stream the Dakar. Yeah, because it's got to be available somewhere. I know typically there's highlights that come out. That's all I'd really have time to do anyway is just see the highlights. Uh, and I don't know if Red Bull's going to do that or what. We'll have to do our homework on that. Somebody will, yeah. I did see just a couple of snippets on this. It seems like it's pretty interesting where they're requiring riders to like cover up their tattoos and uh, they're coaching them up on things they can and can't say to the media and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it'll be very interesting to, to see how this goes. But uh, expect a lot of sand, I would say, right? Yeah, it should be sandy. Yeah. should be sandy. Yeah, the, the, the weather report calls for sand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else? Oh, okay, you found this one. Uh, National Park fee is going up again on yeah. motorcycles. So this is a specific news story out of Oregon, and it sounds like uh, this is another $5 increase at Crater Lake for motorcyclists. So they're going to go to $25 per motorcycle. That's what they're saying, yeah. And yep. $30 per car. So if you put six people in your car, right. you're going to pay 30 bucks. If you and your wife ride up on separate motorcycles, you're going to pay 50 bucks. You know, this whole idea, I, I, I'm continually getting more and more frustrated with the, uh, the national parks, the state lands, uh, everything that is supposed to be open and accessible. And then you've got to have three passes, you know, Northwest Forest Pass, you've got to have uh, your Discover Pass, and then you go down to the National Park, and they want to hit you for 25 bucks. Well, and... that's why we sell the big, skinny passport wallet. <laughs> so you can just store all that? So you've you got room to put all that stuff in one place, yeah. Well, yeah, and so you can also put your Microsoft uh, Surface in there so you can do some work while you're out on the road to pay for it put all. Put your Duo with the folding screen in there when it comes out in the next year. Yeah, that's right. Year. That's right. Uh, <laughs> But I don't know, man. This is getting a little out of hand for me, and it's not like $25 is the end of the world for something that you may visit once a year. But, you know, for families and that kind of thing, it's just it, it continues to, to add up, and the whole point of these lands is for people to enjoy them, and now you keep imposing – uh, these fees and spending this money to develop roadways and that kind of thing. And when people just want to go down there and take in the site. So a little frustrating. I personally haven't paid to ride a motorcycle into a national park in a decade. And this is Ever out of since protest. They started jacking it up. Yeah. You know, when it was at five bucks, that was fine. Then yeah. they changed it to ten, and they went to twenty. Now they're going to twenty-five. I'm running a bike in. Yeah. 
it seems um, it almost seems like it's a little calculated too, right? Because just the percentage of motorcycle riders out there, we don't create a large enough of a voting block to really push back on a lot of this stuff. And do you think this is the national parks' way of saying keep the loud pipes out of our park? No, I mean it makes you certainly speculate that that is the case. And I don't even know if it's. I mean, I'm sure loud pipes have something to do with it, but just motorcyclists in general, they're probably trying to keep the off road guys out too. They don't want them going and exploring. Let's have a let's have a graduated rate. So if I pull up, we'll start with 85 decibels. Okay. And so for every decibel that my bike is over 85. Uh, you get an extra five bucks that you got to pay. You start with five bucks. You right. pay five bucks a ride in if you're 85 decibels or under, and then five bucks per decibel that you're over. What do you think about that? Well, I, my problem with that is what they will do is they will say, that's a great idea, Tom. So why don't we do it this way? Every motorcyclist, when they renew their tabs every year, they pay another $100 to go down to the sound testing fee, and then we give them a sticker. That way they don't have to test them at the National Park. Yeah, pass. we'll do that. Yeah. That'll work. So just bilk the riders some more there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating. You know, Crater Lake is, is spectacular, too. So it's just uh, another thing well, that – All these places are. That's why yeah. they're national parks. It's just, you know, one of the – what should be one of the joys of riding in the Northwest. But I don't know. We could go uh, out on that for, for many, many more hours. But uh, let's move on to the next thing here. What do you say? So the last one we got is your reminder that the new licensing requirement is now in effect for That's Washington right. riders. So this month it goes into effect. You're starting to see a lot of social media posts towards the end of December. Just keep that in mind. If you are unregistered or if you're going to encourage a friend or family member to get registered, that uh, you need to take these extra steps now. Yep. All right, and take a little break. When we come back, we got the calendar. Support for Soundrider and the Soundrider Show is made possible by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hi, I'm Jim from Seattle. My primary bike is the Triumph Explorer 1200. My favorite riding is in northern British Columbia. Hi, this is Manny from Manny's Lonchera, located near the awesome Rowena Curves in the beautiful Moisture, Oregon, and you are listening to the Sound Rider Show. the sound rider show and it's january but i tell you what it's jam-packed there's a lot going on here in the middle of winter it's crazy yeah. i was working up our bullet points here and uh there's way more than you know we usually try to do about 10 highlights here but uh there's way more on the calendar than what we're going to talk about here so make sure you use the Soundrider calendar soundrider.com click on the calendar link to see everything that's going on and I would just add a little shout-out there, too. If you haven't visited the Soundrider cal- calendar in a couple of months or so, uh, you've been hard at work kind of refreshing that, and there's a ton of stuff in there. So make sure you get down there and check it out. Yeah, I have been visiting it a lot lately. Yeah. <laughs> so I updated for 2020. So we're we're still plugging in all the events. Uh, you know, a lot of the events we know 
they're there. But of course, if you have an event that we don't have on the calendar, everybody's welcome to put their event up on the Soundwriter calendar. And if it's a legit thing, we'll post it up and you'll be in. And it's worth your time, too, because it's one of the most <laughs> frequented pages on Soundwriter. So you want to make sure that uh, your event's on there. And keep in mind, this this calendar that we run is anything and everything having to do with motorcycles in the Pacific Northwest. It's not specific to one style of riding. Right. And uh, we know that a lot of people who like to ride, they might like to ride a particular style of bike, but they actually like going to off-road events yeah. or going to a bike show and shine or whatever. So uh, everything is there, and, and, it, and it changes all the time. It gets updated all the time. That's right. So let's dive into it here on uh, Saturday, January 4th. Coming up quick, we've got some short track racing. Short track racing at Puyallup Fairgrounds. And uh, we've talked about this one before. I always tease you about bringing a heater with you when yeah. you go. And you can. You can bring a heater in. You can bring your extension cord. You can plug in and keep toasty while you watch the short track happen. So, um, I, and I've, I've got that marked off with a double-double plus sign there. Yeah, I noticed that. And the reason I did that is because there are more than just that Saturday 4th event in January. So, I'm um, not going to go through every one of them here. Just pick them all up on the Soundwriter calendar. If that's not the day for you, there's, there's at least one or more dates in January. And I know there's dates coming in February, too. Right. These tend to run in sort of like seasons. So, usually if there's one, there's a few more coming down the pipe. So, yep. keep an eye out on it. Uh, Sunday the 5th, uh, the, the Washington State BMW riders typically do a ride following their monthly meeting. However, I'm told there will be no ride this month. Okay. I don't good, know why. Good tip. Yeah. I mean, you know, the weather's like what we're looking at out here right now. Beautiful day today. So, uh, also on Sunday the 5th, we've got motocross at Riverdale Raceway. This is down in Towtle. So if you're in the Portland area, if you're in the South Sound, you're you're not too far away from going down and catching some motocross racing on that Sunday. Which is always fun, right? That's a good way to take in a little uh, entertainment in the middle of January. Yeah, if you like watching people riding around in circles and jumping off of little jumps and whoops and stuff, yeah, yeah. go for it. Or get involved, right? Usually you can get in on well, that. Yeah, you too, could probably so. call them and ask them if you, want to vol- you know, if you want to volunteer time. You might be able to be a corner worker down yeah. there or whatever. Pack a lot of hot hands when you go. Uh, yeah, you bring your heater. That's for <laughs> sure. You talk about the short track. You'll need it there. Um, up in the Puget Sound on Saturday the 11th, we've got Northwest Arena Cross going on at the Evergreen State Fairgrounds in Monroe. And uh, there again, there's another one with some uh, added dates beyond just that Saturday the 11th. And then on the 12th, also at the Evergreen State Fairgrounds, they'll have flat track racing. Uh, again, there's additional dates going on. So uh, Tons of stuff to choose from there on the 12th. Tons of yeah. stuff. Um, on Sunday, the 12th, the snow bike racing series has started up. And uh, they're going to be doing it in Idaho. They're going to be doing it in Montana. They're going to be doing it down in Oregon. They've got dates all over the Pacific Northwest. We have them noted in the Soundwriter calendar. Uh, the one on the 12th is going to be at Clarkia, Idaho. You know where Clarkia is? I have no idea. That was my first thing when I saw this on the sheet here. I was trying to think, where is Clarkia? It is in the middle of nowhere. Okay. It is south of Coeur d'Alene, probably about two hours. Woo! And uh, north of McCall, about two hours. Wow. So that is like uh, – and that's saying something for Idaho. 
to be in the middle of nowhere in Idaho. That's really something. Yeah. yeah. Like, where do you get fuel? <laughs> is, this, <laughs> is this outdoor racing in Clarkia? Well, his snow bike racing, I hope it's outdoors. Well, I didn't know if it was uh, like uh, indoor on the um, on the ice on the ice track or what. No, no, but... this is snow bike racing, not so uh, this is ice, like, ice racing. This is like timber sled. Yeah, timber gotcha. sled. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, I guess this probably isn't too far from the factory for our So, you know, sled, if, right? if, you, if, you, if you decide to drop everything and go to this, you'll have quite a story to tell all your friends. You know, well, you know what we did? We went to, to the snow bike races. A hey, uh, little callback here, but um, when are we going to see the Nikon slash Kawasaki three-wheeler snow bike? Yeah, put some sleds on those Dual puppies. skis up front, a big uh, mm-hmm. tread and back. On yeah. The back. Yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. Maybe that's what all this uh, copycat is about, that they're waiting, right? This is going to be the snowmobile of the, the new mm. era, right? That kind of would look like snowmobiles at that point. Definitely it? would, with two yeah. Tra- with two skis on the front, that's but, like a snowmobile, right? Come on. We're, we're less than five years away from seeing that, though, right? <laughs> Somebody's going to do that. <laughs> Somebody might have already done it. We yeah. don't know it. Well, maybe we should head down to uh, snow camp. Uh, Friday the 17th to the 20th and see if anybody rides in on one. So that'll be going on down there at the, uh, what do they call that, the horse campground? Yeah, the horse camp, that's right. Horse camp, Mm -hmm. that's right. And that's down on the south end of Mount Rainier. We have a link to an article about that on the calendar. Um, Basically, they light up the fireplace Friday afternoon and it burns all the way into Monday. Yeah. And it really is like... That fire's going 24 hours a day. Well, it can be a little bit chilly out there, but a good group of folks usually shows up. So if you're going to head out there and have some fun, bring a dish to pass, right? You never know who's going to show up. You never know what kind of wackiness is going to go on. We watched a guy. He had like a snow bike, and he was pulling kids around in a sled one year. <laughs> so I like know. it. Yeah, wackiness guaranteed. Uh, make sure you wear some warm clothing. Yes. Especially if you're going to be overnighting. Bring your layers, for sure, and mm-hmm. maybe some heated gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday the 24th through the 26th of January is the Vancouver Motorcycle Show. Um, this will be held in Abbotsford at the large Tradex Center there yep. near the airport. Um, and things have changed for me. Uh-oh. I'm going. Really? I am going. I got a telephone call from Rich O'Connor. Exciting. He yeah. said, I need some help in my booth. Would you come up? And well, I that's said, fantastic. Sure, Good. So you can give us a little report that after that. So. Yeah, and that's I get a great. chance to peruse it. You know, yeah. I'm going to guess it's going to be kind of like it's been the last couple of years, yeah. but who knows, you know. But maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll see that Kawasaki Nikon. That's right. Yeah, the three-wheeler there. <laughs> Um, in general, though, they they actually – I mean, look, motorcycle shows are what they are year after year, right? But in general, they do a nice job. So if you, haven't, if you haven't been or if it's been four or five years since you last went, it's probably worth the trip, I yeah. would say. And if yeah. you're whining about not having a motorcycle show in Seattle, that's a good one to go to. Yeah. And it's only – what does it only take us like two or three hours to get up there? It's really not too bad because actually Abbotsford is much easier to get up to than uh, Vancouver, Vancouver is. So. Yeah. It ends up being a, a pretty quick trip. And uh, and a lot of us have brand new uh, enhanced IDs, so it's a chance for you to break it in and make sure it works correctly. That's right. You know what happened when I got my enhanced photo ID? What? They had me bring in my birth certificate. Mm-hmm. 
And it turned out that my parents never registered my middle name on my birth certificate. So I don't really have a middle name. I went all these years thinking I had a yeah. middle name. But officially, legally, I don't have a middle name. Well, I was going to say, now that means you can just pick whatever you want, right? Yeah, I could. Yeah. So mm. make, it, make it something awesome. I'm going to go for like Marley or... Oh, wow, yeah. Or Peter hyphen Tosh, or just make anything up. Huh? Yeah, just make it up. Well, I tell you what, you talked about Vancouver a little north here. Uh, you could really make an entire weekend if you've got some free time of a motorcycle exuberance here in the Pacific Northwest. You could pass all the way from Vancouver right on down to Portland. So they'll be doing the PDX Film Fest again down there. This is like, I don't know, 7th, 8th, 10th year, something yeah. like that. This is the... the uh, Motorcycle Film Festival that raises money for OMRA so that they can maintain their air fence mm-hmm. down at the track there. So uh, always, always uh, some good stuff that's running. I believe the schedule is up online now. You can get to the link from our calendar page. That's, that's already all there. And then uh, we mentioned it earlier, February 1st, the year of the rat bike show that's right so make sure you circle that on your calendar particularly if you're here in the seattle area because that's going to be a fun time that's going to be a nice way to kick off february and start to kind of get uh, primed for the uh, march spring riding season right yep all right let's take a little break and when we come back let's look back at the 2010s and Prostalize the 2020s. Is that the right word? I think it is, yeah. Well, we're going to celebrate it in some fashion. Ahead. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by... The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com rally. Hi, I'm Ray Coop. I'm from uh, Surrey, B.C., and uh, one of my favorite roads is probably the Curly Creek Road, which runs up towards Mount St. Helen between uh, Wind River Road. Hello, this is Peter Starr, the director of Take It to the Limit, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. studio on the sound rider show and as we alluded to a little bit earlier you know we talked about 2019 but maybe we should go back to 2010 and ahead to 2030 and we can see uh kind of what's in the stars and i said uh prostolize and then we said postulate and I, I i think it should be fairly evident to people i have an eighth grade education at this point which so. is pretty good you know considering a lot of motorcycle riders out there so i think we can all identify with that but, but either I do way know, i do know where the fuel valve is and that's all that really matters and that's important you don't have the to petcock you don't have to uh <laughs> postulate where the petcock is right coming here in uh in the coming years but what uh let's maybe let's go back Right. Let's talk about the last decade. Let's, the last decade. Yeah. Let's, let's go through a let's couple of things, and then thoughts. we can just kind of um, <clears throat> talk about where those things might wind up in in the new decade. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen uh, a lot of clubs disappear. 
Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing where social media has sort of taken over that world. And the idea of having physical clubs, physical bodies of clubs is diminishing, yes. continues to diminish. Yep. Uh, membership numbers are down on physical bodies of clubs. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about all that? Well, I think that's a, that's just a sign of the generational times, right? Clubs is something that uh, a previous generation, the same generation that is, we talked about, is sort of aging out for a lot of riders. Um, you know, that matches up with that demographics. And I think that people under 40 aren't as interested in riding in clubs. I think they're just interested in riding, riding with their friends. Yeah. yeah, I think we see that at the rally a lot. We mm -hmm. see people who just come in on their own. And yeah. they, you know, eventually they might hook up with a couple of people and become buddies, but you don't have – like we used to have um, sections of the rally in the gorge marked off for like the Boeing Motorcycle Club yeah. or the Sport Bike Club. And now we don't, we don't even have that request anymore. You so. know, and I think you know, part of that um, is just kind of you know, things – Things change, but also work schedules have become dramatically more dynamic, right? So it's not like, hey, you know, I'm a, I work at the factory at Boeing. I work nine to five Monday through Friday, and I have these days off every week. You know, there's a lot of people, they are working some version of seven days a week. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who are working some weekend days. Two jobs, side hustles. I mean, it's just it's much more dynamic. So. I see this in particular at the Leavenworth event where people come in on a Friday night and they leave like Saturday afternoon because yeah. they got to get back to their job. Yep. Like, wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of changes in work schedules, and that doesn't really lend itself to the idea that you're going to meet up, you know, regularly for – you know, Sunday brunch, you know, once a month or whatever it may be, or that ride. So I think uh, hmm. the necessity for clubs is kind of so. Changing. So the prognosis is not good that we'll see people with more free time in the future. Well, I don't know if it's less or more. I think it's just it's more flexibility, to be honest with you, because I work a pretty dynamic working schedule, and I find that that actually is preferable for me in many cases because I can stitch days together here and there. So I might have an opportunity to make a five-day trip as opposed to a single weekend trip. Yeah. So there are a lot of benefits to it. But I think clubs, you know, well, we can talk about that maybe in the second half of the interview here. But I, my prognosis for that is not that they will grow. Well, we're just jumping around on topics yeah. here. So the next topic is the, uh, the rise of Indian motorcycles. <laughs> Great point. Yeah. We really saw that take off in this last decade. Well, in 2010, would you have, nobody would have predicted that. No. Huh? I mean, it, uh, Indian and Royal Enfield, what they have done in uh, the previous decade here, that's, yeah. that's pretty unprecedented. And you know, it's, I'll also shout out uh, Triumph, yeah, Triumph reviving themselves, mm -hmm. um, you know, which is pretty interesting because all we hear most of the time in the chatter of the motorcycle world is negative, right? Sales are down. Yeah. Dealerships are closing. Yeah. But now here are three brands that, like Phoenix, rose from the ashes and uh, have become, in some sense, for the under forty crowd, preferable brands. I would say. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, attractiveness to their models there. Yeah, I went to the to the little Triumph event they had here in Seattle uh, back in December. That's right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I had to leave because. Uh, 
my ears and 115 decibels just don't work together well. So I had to I had to get out of there and escape that before I lost the rest of my hearing all in one fell swoop. So what you're saying is that event would have had a hard time under your new national park pricing model of getting in right with <laughs> their decibels. It would have been expensive to run yeah. out of it, yeah. But, you know, I think uh, in all honesty, I think part of that is um, that's, you know – generational a little bit too right they're trying yeah, to attract the it crowd was that's interesting under 40. and looking yeah. around at the crowd i mean there were some old guys in there sure uh but there was a lot of young people that i you know i can i can say i don't i've not seen them yeah. before you know yeah. so there's a whole, a whole world out there and that's why you're here because you're supposed to be working on getting them all to read sound i'm the young hip guy here huh because <laughs> my gray hair has continued to come in but the fresh uh, blood yeah <laughs> But I think, uh, at least looking ahead in the next five years, I think Indian is going to continue to gain market share. And uh, same thing with Triumph and same thing with Royal Enfield. I think they all have done really excellent job of uh, promoting their brand. And Royal Enfield has done a tremendous job of making entry-level priced motorcycles. And mm-hmm. we're also seeing speculation that uh, Indian is going to come out with an adventure bike here in the next couple of years. Oh, so, that'd be interesting. Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen that floating around, but no, I haven't. But, but it's out there, man. Yeah, I don't see everything. <laughs> uh, well, so 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 we're talking about manufacturing now. Let's talk about a couple of different styles of motorcycles that really popped up in the in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was sort of the rejuvenation of the Scrambler. Yes. By Ducati, by Triumph, uh, um, even BMW yeah. had, had a series of scramblers. So I think that's probably helping with that under 40 crowd. You're absolutely uh, as right. As a potential, you know, cool bike to own. And and uh, most of those scramblers are, are they're actually pretty nice road bikes if you want to take a weekend trip somewhere. Uh, you might have to doll them up with a little bit of luggage, but they can do it. You know, they got the the horsepower to do it. So yeah, well, I agree a hundred percent, and I will give the trophy in that category for the last decade to Triumph, um, bringing out their Scrambler and their Bonneville and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I I will tell you honestly, I I've been riding for a decade now. So I started ten years ago, I think in two thousand and ten. Okay, and one of the there were two motorcycles that initially caught my interest. One was the KLR 650 because I had long been an outdoor guy, and I thought that the dual sport world would be the direction I wanted to go in. The other one was the Triumph Scrambler, and I first learned about it from whatever at the time it was, the Mission Impossible movie. Oh, yeah. Tom Cruise was riding one, and I think that was about a decade ago. So uh, I think um, as far as I'm concerned in the Scrambler world, you're right. It's attracting the under-40 crowd, but – Trophy for me goes to to Triumph, who has done a nice job, and just recently they came out with their twelve hundred scrambler, right? Yeah. So yeah, and if you missed the uh, little brouhaha in Seattle that happened, um, I thought that was interesting. You know, they took all their money that they would have spent on an IMS tour, and it just did parties in different markets. So uh, that's the look. That's the future of motorcycling. Yeah, that I, I think it is. I I think that's going to mirror. Mirror, rather, the uh, changes we're going to see in the dealership format, too. Yeah, and it was free, and it was, you know, you just, if you had to pay for parking, you pay for parking. I yep. took the bus, so it cost me 275 round trip. Gotcha. 
So, um, see, okay, and then another another bike line that sort of had a, a resurgence uh, after about forty years is the monkey bike. Yeah. And now the you know the monkey bikes at one twenty five instead of at fifty cc's or seventy cc's. But uh, kind of interesting watching that happen. I don't, I don't know. I I see them getting ridden around. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. out there. What do you? Uh, how do you feel about the decade ahead for the monkey bike? Uh, I think they'll still be there in a decade ahead. You think so? Yeah. Or maybe maybe there's enough of them out there now. We can just keep feeding the market with used bikes. Well, I feel I'd be interested <laughs> to know. I and mean, this is one of those stats that you can never get your hands on. But I feel like this is a, a pure nostalgia play, and I feel like the people that are buying these are oftentimes the 55 plus crowd. They're looking back to the 70s. And thinking mm, about their youth, I'm seeing younger people buying them. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen any of that, so that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, but you know, we did that ride that one day. You were on your bike, and I was on a monkey bike. Yeah. They, they hurt after a hundred miles. They're just not ergonomically fit for doing long rides. That's on. very true. Yeah. But they're kind of fun to corner and all. Just, sure. You know. I mean, they're fun to ride. You know, it's two wheels. What isn't though? Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, a line of bikes that I think just sort of never really happened as hard as they tried was the Supermotos. What do you think about that? 2010s, it wasn't really, it just never really got the momentum. No, you're right. It's a very niche bike, and uh, the DRZ continues to reign supreme, in my opinion, on that, right? I can't even think of anything else that... Uh... Well, there's going to be a Husqvarna coming, okay. 701. okay. And, uh, but you know, the thing with the supermotos is like, you know, you're supposed to get a new front tire when you have two sixteenths or two thirty seconds of tread. Right. Well, I only have three thirty seconds to start with on that tire. Yeah. So what do you do? You know, you're going to ride it for a thousand miles and you need a new front tire. Uh, people run it, they'll ride them all the way down oh, to the threads. Yeah, that's for sure. Open. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. That'll, that'll be interesting to see how that one does evolve. I, uh. That seems – I mean that's a very passionate crowd, but it does seem like it's a smaller crowd. I know there was a Supermoto racing series that AMA did. I haven't seen anything about that in recent years. Okay. Maybe it's out there, but it's not just not getting promoted Yeah, it doesn't anymore. get the, the – publici- isn't publicized as greatly, yeah. And uh, speaking of smaller bikes like the monkey bike, um, I think that SSR has done a really nice job of bringing some small bikes to the market that are affordable for people, that they can get their kids and their grandkids into. Yep. Uh, what is it, 900 bucks for SSR 50cc uh, automatic clutch? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's a great price. That is a uh, – as we turn the corner here on the decade, that's a great point just about some of the, the prevalence – of Chinese manufacturers, mm-hmm. right, that are starting to see uh, the light of day here on the American shores. And I think that's something that's going to continue because a lot of these uh, quads and motorcycles and mopeds that are coming in from China, yeah. oft- oftentimes 20 30% cheaper. And in the 2000s, uh, there was a lot of bad Chinese right. product coming in that, that, that was faulty. Um, what, what I'm hearing from dealers right now is that um, – the, these these SSRs, the quality on them is good enough that you can get a kid through, you know, a couple riding seasons yeah. on it before you move them to a, a nice Yamaha or a nice Honda or whatever. For sure. Uh, and if it doesn't work out, the kid doesn't want to ride it, you don't have like a big outlay of cash that you've, yeah. you know, got to try to rematerialize somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great point. 
Um, let's see. And in, uh, in the 2010s, I think we saw the Internet sort of take over aftermarket accessories to a degree that hurt a lot of shops. Mm-hmm. And a lot of shops had to fight their way to, to stay competitive with that. And I think all the chickens are coming home to roost finally. You know, the, the days of the free shipping are going away. They, it seems like it's free shipping until you find out that the price is 25 bucks more than the MSRP and whatever. Right. And I think a lot of the, uh, the manufacturers got the MSRP and uh, the MAP under control, the minimum advertised sure. price. Uh, and that's because the the dealers were just squawking, going, "Hey, I can't even carry your stuff in my store if right. you're going to lowball it online." let somebody else, yeah. Well, that has been a big change. I mean, the rise of Revzilla, right? That stands out as the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Amazon is always there. Although I don't know how how much motorcycle activity Amazon is seeing in comparison to like a Revzilla. I don't know. Are, are they selling tires? I haven't tried to drop, buy the tires on Amazon. Yeah, that's a great question. And then, of course, uh, Revzilla here just. Last year, uh, the ownership group uh, merged or was taken over with Cycle mm-hmm. Gear. So yeah. Cycle Gear has been super prevalent, and we've seen that continued growth. And then um, what's the one out on the Twisted Throttle, right? They had a pretty big decade. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of changes. You're right. That's and I think the way they came through the decade was a lot of the stuff that they sold was their own house brands. True. So, um, and if, if they, you know, I'm going to try to invent a cooling vest that was kind of a flop, but, um, but nonetheless, I, I, I give them kudos for, for finding their own niche and, and creating their own products as a way to not have to sell stuff so right. cheaply that you're just never financially, you're not fiscally viable. You yeah. Know? Well, some of that, you know, some of that gear too, that is just changing with, the times too, you know, thing gear is there's, we've seen a dramatic shift, especially again with the under 40 crowd, people are using different equipment and wearing different things than they were. I think they're less outfitted than some of the older people have gotten over the years. You know, you see somebody going to go away for a weekend trip with wearing a, a maybe like a, a Pendleton shirt with some armor in it. Right. And then they got their little 20 liter saddlebag on the back, their leather saddlebag. And, you know, they probably don't have a tool kit in there. They probably don't have an air pump in sure. there. They probably don't have a first aid kit in there. So uh, I think there's a whole lot of evolution that can go on for this younger group of people. And uh, I want to be there. I want to be part of that yeah. in the twenty, you know, twenty twenties. Um, well, there is a gap. There's definitely. I mean, you're you're for the most part. You know, you take something on the extreme end of of riding gear, like an arrow stitch suit. You probably would see what ninety eight percent of those on riders over the age of forty. Yeah. Right. I mean, that would probably be a fair assumption. But one of the positive trends, I think, in the last three years on the gear front is that a lot of this city-inspired, urban-inspired genre is coming forth, and we're starting to see a lot of integration with you know, Kevlar and jeans, uh, CE-rated armor, slim armor that are covering knees and hips and elbows and shoulders and that kind of thing. So the style and the protection is starting to catch up a little bit. So I think it's making it a little bit easier for yeah. uh, for many riders to, to ride protected. I think Ryan's done a real nice job of that over at Seattle Cycle mm, Center yeah. of, of bringing in some of that new product that, that has that protective stuff, but it's also cool and hip. Yes, you know? yep. So Because you have to ultimately, if you're not wearing it, it's not going to protect you, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure, you have to appeal to people on, on several different levels. I can attest to that. 
Yeah. It does protect you if you wear it. Right. I should be dead by now, but um, – okay, here's one. Battery technology. Mm. That sure had a uh, 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 sort of uh, – Upgrade, but not really. I mean, it, obviously, the technology really came ahead, but I think that a lot of people still want to use a regular battery because the, the new technology not always so dependable, doesn't last as long. Um, but the other thing in battery technology is just the lithium-ion itself. Yeah. And the fact that I can take a little battery like that one that I can hold in my hand and um, start my bike. Yeah up in the middle of nowhere in Oregon when I drained down the battery because I forgot to turn the light off and I stopped to, to do something. Yep. Uh, and just to have been able to pull that out and get the bike started was amazing. Yes. And that wasn't possible in the 2000s. Well, and I'll tell you, in addition to this, in starting your bike, I've used one of those handheld starters to jumpstart my V8 Jeep. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, it's not like, I mean, I they're. Could, I can start my element with yeah, them, yeah. They're pretty powerful. And it's great, too, because then you can pl- plug your cell phone in, right? You can That's run right. Your, your, all your equipment, you know, cameras and that kind of stuff. If you've got action cameras, you can charge it off of these. So, that's a big, big plus. And when I wrote the book, Packing Light, Back and Right, back in 2006, I was a big proponent of, of rechargeable one and a half volt AA batteries. Yes. Yeah. And David Huff used to tease me about how many would I have to put those together to jumpstart my bike. But, uh, you know, now I I don't take that many AA batteries out with me other than just to power my old 16, 17-year-old GPS that I still use. Yeah. So. And that's – I don't know if you have that on the list or not, but phone GPS technology. I do. Yeah, Uh, yeah, the age of apps is here. Mm -hmm. And we've got all these apps that will tell you where to buy uh, ethanol-free right. fuel. Yep, good point. Uh, you know, all the map apps that are out there. I remember some years ago when a guy showed up with an iPhone on Sasquatch and said, get me the track, I'm going to ride it with the iPhone. Right. And that was the first time I saw I knew it was going to happen at some point. Sure. And that was the year it happened, and the guy did the whole Sasquatch tour with an iPhone. Well, and I mean, it's making more and more sense, right? I mean, the reliability is increasing. I mean, even 10 years ago, you remember, you would, you'd get 50 miles outside of a major city, and the cell phone signal would be... Right. You know, and that's not necessarily your GPS signal, I know, but still, just the reliability, the battery life, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. Have, yeah, have battery come life a tremendous on way. Yeah. I remember when it used to be seven days. I used to get on old Motorola running Windows 6, I get seven days out of that phone. But yeah. back then, you didn't do the internet, you yeah. didn't do your email. It was just a phone and it had your Rolodex in it. Right. Yeah. You weren't on there uh, 24 7, that's no. for sure. Yeah. Uh, now, I can, you know, I'm lucky if I get two days on an iPhone yeah. uh, and I got a, you know, an X model. So, but there again, take those those nice handheld batteries with you and charge your phone at night. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you're camping or not. You got a way to charge it. You're yep. carrying a huge battery around with you, and you keep charging that phone up. You don't have to carry a camera, right? Oh, right. there's so many things in a phone that <laughs> yeah. we don't carry anymore. Yeah. We don't need to carry a flashlight. We don't yeah. need to carry a camera. We don't need to carry a GPS. We don't need to carry a shopping list. We don't. You know, it's, it's crazy. you don't even need to bring a friend. You got it right there. <laughs> yeah, you could have an AI friend that yeah, you check in with every, right. at the end of every day. It yeah. doesn't even have to be a real person. How was your ride today? Uh, <laughs> You're Tay, always there hey, for me, Tay. Siri. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, well, we definitely seen more and more tech get added to motorcycles in the last 10 years. Uh, you know, it was just sort of ABS. Now we're in about fourth or fifth generation. Yeah. Uh, 10 years ago, ride by wire was just coming on the scene. And now we got all kinds of tech going on and that, that bothers me because yeah. that's parts that can break when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And if the bike won't start, and you don't have an option, then you're kind of in trouble. Yeah, you know, I, I and I understand that argument, but that's also one of those things that when I hear it, I go, yeah, but dot, 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 because it's kind of like old cars for me a little bit. You know, people talk about like, oh, old cars, you used to be able to fix them, you used to be able to do all this, and I go, okay, that's fine. But now, if you spend 20 grand on a Kia, you change the oil every 10,000 miles, like, that thing is more or less going to run to 200,000 miles. Mm-hmm. So the reliability, like there is this weird inverse. Like it's nice to be able to do roadside repairs, but a lot of those systems are are the same. It's just you have some added electrical components. So I don't know I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not uh, – I, I guess I'm a techno-optimist in that, in that consideration. Okay, you be that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the van and come and get you. When Skynet comes, you're going to be there? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we could go on and on and yeah, on. So sure. what I want to do is end this by saying to the listeners, hey, if you got something that you want to make a point of with us, uh, drop us an email, sreditor at soundwriter.com, and uh, I don't have a problem coming up with an article covering other things that people want to talk about and banter about. Yeah. And uh, maybe that would come in a February or March issue. So if you got something on your mind, you want to share it with other people, just drop me an email and we will do that. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we've got some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in North Bend, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from, whether you're shopping for a used cruiser, sport tour, dual sport, adventure, dirt, sport bike, or street standard. You owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hi, this is Whitney from Kirkland, Washington. My favorite place to ride is in the Lake Wenatchee area. Hey, this is Scott with Langless Leathers, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. on into the final segment here. Roaring. On the, that's right. Roaring, roaring 20s, 20s. Yeah, on the uh, Soundwriter Show. And, uh, of course, we're not going to leave you without tips and tricks. So, Tom, why don't we launch into it here? What do you got for 2020? Uh, what I got for 2020 is something I started doing about November. And um, I think this is something that a lot of people who ride motorcycles might want to lock into. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have a lot of money and you need to support your habit, of riding, uh, it's obviously in your favor to exercise daily. Sure. 
you know, some kind of an aerobic thing like walking. And I got to thinking, you know, I'm walking 700 miles a year. And uh, wouldn't it be nice to get paid for that? Sure. And so I uh, signed up as a dog walker for Rover.com. There you go, yeah. And I make a point of walking a dog every day at least five days a week. And I get paid for every one of those dogs that I walk. And I can support my – whether it's my motorcycle habit. Uh, in, in this case, it's my jukebox habit. Right. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, though. You know, it's not. It's, you're not, you're not going to get rich off of this, but you're going to supplement some money that you otherwise wouldn't have had, and you would have had to pay f- for these things out of your regular income. Yeah, so nice little motorcycle stash there you can set aside. And it's great to do the exercise. And you know, it, I live in Seattle, so I'm going to have some Gore-Tex lined shoes. Mm-hmm. And the kind of clothing that you might need to wear on a rainy day, you can afford to buy it because you're making money out walking these dogs. Yeah, that's a good point. And then you got some money for gas in the tank. Which is always nice, right? Because that's ultimately what we're about here at the Sound Rider Show is gas in the tank. Yeah. 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 And, you know, if I walk five five dogs, uh, 60 minutes uh, with tips, I make about 100 bucks. Not that's bad. not a lot of money, and that's five hours, and that's only 20 bucks an hour. But you know what? How much money are you spending on fuel on your bike? That's way more money than you're spending on fuel on your bike, even if you're traveling a lot. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's 5200 bucks a year that you didn't have, and now you put it toward your habit. That's right. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take much to do sort of a minimalist uh, dual sport touring trip, right? If you go out for a weekend, you can uh, pack some ramen noodles. You can pitch your tent for 5 bucks a night at a lot of these pots, and you can ride you know, quite a few miles on just 80 bucks or, in gas. Or if you need 1000 bucks to get a new helmet. Yes. All of a sudden, you're like, hey, it's not such a big deal. I got it over in the PayPal account where I have all this money deposited. In. Right, yeah. So you, you do it. You there you know? go. See, there you go again with side hustles, and now you can't go to all your club meetings because you're working a dynamic schedule. That's okay. <laughs> I'm the lone rider, you know. I'm one of those lone rider guys. That's I don't right. need to go to a club meeting. Yeah, lone rider. Uh, well, that's a good tip. And uh, mine we actually touched on a little bit in the last segment here. And I will bring it full circle here because after the show, I am going to stop at Seattle Cycle Center where my new lithium battery awaits me for the DR350. So as you alluded to, battery technology has changed considerably. There are a lot of options out there. And I decided to go lithium after a rainy day about three weeks ago when the DR just wouldn't crank. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah it was uh, cold and rainy and trying to get – I mean, the DR is fairly easy to bump start, but sometimes it takes two or three times, and it was 40 degrees, and it was pouring down rain, and um, that wasn't a lot of fun. So I'm going to go lithium with the hopes that I'm going to get more cranks, more powerful cranks, longer. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Upgrade your battery on That's your right. old bike. Yep. All right. Well, that is our January 2020 show. Happy New Year. We're going to Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah. We are going to come back in February, and I can tell you it's an action-packed show in February, too. We'll see you then. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. 
content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.